Hello there. My name is Lavanya and you're listening to Not Just a Man's World. This podcast is a special series from Sportstar the Hindu, India's oldest sports magazine, and it's dedicated exclusively to women's sports. Now I have to admit, um I am a little nervous doing this because this is a first for us at Sportstar. The pressure of doing justice to a growing population of inspiring athletes is very very daunting, but we are going to give this our best shot. My colleagues and I will strive to bring you all an episode every month where we quickly recap the biggest developments in women's sport across the world. We will also catch up with sports women across the spectrum to celebrate their achievements and understand their trials and tribulations. Now it felt right to begin something like this around the International Women's Day which is celebrated on March 8th. So to every woman or little girl who's probably listening to this episode, Happy Women's Day girls. This show is dedicated to you all and we hope to bring you stories that you can cherish just as much as we do. All right. So let's get straight into the agenda for this episode, shall we? Joining us later on on the show is Indian national team goalkeeper and Indian women's league winner Aditi Chauhan. So make sure you do stick around for the entire length of the episode. But before that, let's take a quick look at what women have been up to in sport this past month. Australia successfully defended its World T20 title beating India in the final of the Women's World Cup by 85 runs. This is Australia's fifth title, the most any country has ever won this tournament. Now I watched the final with folks from the Australian High Commission in Chennai. The council organized a watch party as a show of support to the Fill the MCG campaign. The initiative aimed at recording attendance figures of over 90,000, which if achieved would have been the biggest turnout for a women's sporting game. Melbourne managed a figure of 86,174, of which a lot of my friends were also there and I am hugely jealous. Uh this is the largest for a sporting event in Australia across men and women's sports and of course it is the most for a women's cricket game. The all-time record however still remains with the FIFA Women's World Cup final of 1999 where USA beat China about 90,815 people at the California Rose Bowl stadium watched that game. I watched this game in a little hotel in Chennai and uh, there were a lot of Australians in the room so obviously there was a lot of celebration. but conversations about the need to sustain this success dominated all of these post match discussions in the room so keeping with that conversation i caught up with vice consul andrew collister to get a sense of what this match means for them and uh, for women's sport in general so let's listen into what he had to say so the australian consulate general in chennai uh we're broadly tasked with advancing Australia's national interest in South India. Of course that's political, that's economic, but it's also normative. It's pushing because foreign policy is about people and it's about values. And one of those values is gender inclusion. And one of the greatest areas of connection between Australia and India is sport. Of course cricket, but sport more generally. And the Australian uh hosting this year of the Women's T20 World Cup has been a great uh boon for women's cricket in general. It's the first time it's been held separately from the men's event. It's been great investment. Of course, there was the Field the MCG campaign today to try and set a record for the biggest ever attendance for a women's sporting event anywhere in the world. And we didn't quite reach that today, but I think at the same time it was a great statement of support from Australia for women's cricket. And here in Chennai, you know, we have a great platform to do that with 
the Indian community. Spreading, we spread awareness of the tournament in the lead up through our Led by Women Online campaign. Um, as the tournament's gone on, we've been very active in our social media promoting the the event, both the Indian and the women's team, uh, the Indian and Australian women's teams. And you know, we were very lucky and very excited that India and Australia could be showing uh, both up in the final today. And of course, it went the Australian way, but. Um, getting a hundred people from Chennai in a room supporting women's cricket, watching the game, is something much bigger than an Australian or an Indian victory. So when you organise events like this, there are several issues that come about that we sort of start realising. So in the process of organising this or in the process of just going through the paces of this World Cup, what have you understood about the state of women's sport, particularly in India, in South India? I think uh, with women's sports, I mean, there's a lot of sports, you just got to see it. And there's a lot of mystery about, you know, there's a lot of uh, historical expectations about women's sport. And as was said earlier by the Consul General, that's often due to even lower production values. They play on worse grounds, they play in bad stadiums. Um, they've got one camera angle. So, you know, even doesn't look as good. And people come away with very, uh, historical perceptions of what women's sports should look like. You know, they don't have as much training, they don't have as much conditioning. So of course it's not going to look as slick as a full house at Eden Gardens or if you take soccer it's not going to look as good as a Manchester Derby. So I think one of the first steps is just getting people to see it. And today you saw women's cricket being played in front of 80,000 people at a packed MCG. It could have been, you know, it could have been such a Tendulkar facing Glenn McGrath. It's the same sort of atmosphere. And you saw the same boundaries, the same great catches, the same uh, you know, attended stumpings. And that was really exciting. And of course, it was a bit of a lopsided result, but you saw sixes, you saw fours. That's still exciting, no matter who's hitting them. Fair enough. So do you think this game has sort of changed how people will look at women's cricket going forward? I mean, hopefully, but it doesn't, it can't exist like that on its own. I think an event like this is great, and it take the people who came today will have you know, seen a great event in women's cricket, but the, the, for any sport, not just women's sport, it's keeping that engagement going. And this has been a really great event in Australia, but, and for the ICC generally, but, you know, you need the BCCI to follow up on the success of the Indian women's cricket team and make sure that these players, but not, but not only these players, but the ones around it are getting investment, whether that's through a women's IPL, or even just more exhibition games, and, you know, more support to ensure that uh, these players are training more, access to sports science and playing more uh, in these sort of environments that people have access to, people can support. So the players get more experience, the fans get more experience and everyone really, uh, their experience of women's cricket grows over time. I like the jersey she's wearing. Yes, it's admittedly not. But at the same time, like, you know, um, Supporting uh, women's sport, you know, it's down to buying the jerseys and having names and numbers on the back. And, uh, you know, with the Australian women's football team, that was the first time that they had uh, a jersey of their own. It wasn't just the men's jersey replicated. And the women's team as well, they're wearing a different jersey to the men. And that's really important. It's about building their own brand as well that kids can identify with. You know, kids want Elise Perry on the back, they want Beth Mooney on the back. And that's the next step, like, you know, um, you know, Indian crowd should be cheering for Shafali Verma as loud as they do for MS Dhoni. Um, that's the future of women's sport. Brilliant. And if you could tell your 
Australian women's team something, like a message from this room, what would that be? I think, uh, first of all, congratulations, obviously, but you know these, these games go global. And Australia is supporting you, not just at the MCG, it's supporting you around the world, in our consulates, in our embassies, uh, through our friends and our alumni, our families, um, our business contacts. Everyone's getting together and watching you on the biggest stage of all. And you know, you're part of something global. Well done. And go Australia. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank, Thank you. you very much. This Women's T20 World Cup campaign has been a success on more counts than one. Ten teams, eight qualifying on the basis of ranking and two on the basis of qualification games, have given us some great games of cricket to watch over the past fortnight. India enjoyed an unbeaten run in this tournament, falling to Australia in the final. The host also had its share of nail-biting games, fighting its way to the fifth title in the end. The biggest victory, though, in many ways, was that this game was as big a spectacle as a men's game would have been, with Katy Perry book-ending the final with a charged-up concert. Katie joins an inspiring bunch of women like Serena Williams, Alex Morgan and even comedian Ali Wong among a long list of others to keep at their high-pressure jobs while pregnant. And she has stood for a lot of things women around the world are fighting for. She's obviously no stranger to sporting concerts. Uh, nobody can forget that 2015 Super Bowl uh, performance with that tiger. I certainly cannot. And she was also there at the IPL opening ceremony in 2012. I'm not trying to dilute the focus from the cricketers to the pop stars, but those cute dancing cricket bats are things that I and a large portion of the Twitter universe is not going to forget for a very long time. Anyway, getting back to business. This edition is the first time the women's and men's tournaments have been held separately. Uh, the prize money for this edition, 1 million for the winner and 500,000 for the runner-up, is also five times the prize amount that was given off to winners in 2018. And this time, Cricket Australia has said that it will match the prize money if Australia won to ensure parity with the male cricketers. And my lord, did they win magnificently. Now, a few issues still remain to be discussed, right from more matches and match practice for teams, especially the ones who come in with qualification games or who aren't as higher ranked in the ranking system, and also why the qualifiers did not have provisions for a reserve day, especially after the fiasco in the Men's ODI World Cup last year gave us enough reason to be prepared. The loser in this entire scenario was England, because the team lost an opportunity to make a case for itself to progress into the final. And the girls have been speaking about that ever since that game. Australia was also lucky to get playing time during the semi-final because it was pouring right before and during the match and uh, will consider itself very, very lucky to get past South Africa after the target was reduced because had the match been washed out, then South Africa, on virtue of a better league stage performance, an unbeaten record, uh, would have gone through just like India did. I also want to take a minute to remember the best of the rest. Like... Lankan all-rounder Shashikala Sirivardhane, who called time on a 17-year-long career. Her last game, which Sri Lanka played against Bangladesh, saw her take four wickets for 16 runs, which is also the best bowling figure of the tournament. Talk about leaving on a high, right? 
The Bangladesh team also has a very feisty performer in the form of Nigar Sultana because she often stood as a lone wolf when the batting order was crumbling around her. The captains were also magnificent in this tournament, right from West Indies' Stefani Taylor to Sri Lanka's Chamari Atapattu. These were captains who carried their teams on their shoulders almost single-handedly sometimes. Now, when we talk about Chamari Atapattu, I think an interesting fact to know is that she scored 33% of her team's runs in this series. So that should tell you just how important she would have been to that batting order. And of course, Sophie Devine's white ferns were just unlucky to not advance, despite having some very, very exciting prospects with the bat and the ball. Amelia Kerr is one player that we're going to keep looking at. She's a brilliant bowler. There are those googlies that teams have just not managed to read at all. And she can bat quite a bit as well when there are high-pressure situations that the team finds itself in. So this team is going to make for some very good cricket viewing and we hope we get to see a lot more of them going ahead. So from trying to make space at the table to building an entire entity for itself, women's cricket is moving away from just being grateful to be by the side of men to standing tall by themselves. And I suppose that is the biggest win of them all. So now moving on from cricket, we have quite a few interesting developments in football. The fourth edition of the Indian Women's League just ended with Gokulam Kerala FC winning its maiden title, having beaten Kripsa 3-2 in the final. The girls were felicitated during a men's I-League match between the Gokulam men's team and Punjab FC in front of a very, very warm Korikod crowd. Meanwhile, there is another Indian national team player who is testing international waters now. Bala Devi, who represents India and has played for teams like Kripsa and Manipur Police in the IWL, was signed on by Rangers FC and she has officially played her first game in the Scottish Premier League. Now, Bala is a girl of very few words, but she's quick to tell reporters that she hopes this inspires other girls to sort of figure out that there are opportunities outside for girls who pursue them. This possibility was unheard of, is still unheard of for so many female football players in the country. So it's very, very heartening to see Bala Devi go out there and break the barriers of possibility for female footballers in this country. Now, while some players are figuring out new paths to tread on, some others have decided to hang up their boots. Russian tennis star Maria Sharapova announced her retirement from the game at the age of 32 last month. Sharapova has seen it all. Instant fame, tremendous success, constant media attention, a doping ban, slumps in form. She knows the ups and downs of the game probably a lot better than most, let's put it that way. She has a career Grand Slam, an Olympic silver to her name. She's held the number one ranking for a while. But as a piece in uh, CNN points out, she also leaves the sport as one of its top earning athletes. Her winnings, estimated at around 38.8 million US dollars, are third only to the Williams sisters. And while it's only a matter of time before Simona Halep overtakes her, Sharapova is unlikely to leave that top tier for a very, very long time. Interestingly though, only five men have made more money than her. And look at that list. Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Andy Murray and Pete Sampras. And this doesn't even include sponsorships. If you look at sponsorships as an added avenue of revenue in this entire scenario, then Forbes pegs her earnings from winnings, endorsements and appearances to 325 million US dollars. And that is second only to Serena Williams, who has 350 million US dollars to her name. But Serena is still playing. A little before that, two mothers made their comebacks to tennis, Kim Kleisters and Sanya Mirza. Kim has spent eight years away from the game now and this is her second comeback. The first, Her first return rather to the WTA was in 2009 
And back then, she won three of her four major titles, the US Open in 2009 and 2010 and the Australian Open in 2011. The US Open 2009 win made her the third WTA player to win a major after giving birth, the other two being Margaret Court and Yvonne Goolagong. She even regained the number one ranking in February 2011. This time around, though, she got back to the court through a wildcard entry into the Dubai Duty Free Tennis Championships. But she lost her return match, however, with Gabin Muguruza, the world number 16 player, winning that game 6-2-7-6. Muguruza herself is the runner-up in this year's Australian Open and a two-time Grand Slam champion too. Sanya Mirza's comeback story is a little happier than Kim's, considering she won the WTA Hobart International doubles title with her partner Nadia Kichinok. This is her 42nd WTA doubles title and her first since winning the Brisbane International Trophy back in 2017. Sanya is enjoying a particularly good run, I must say, especially with her recent showing in the Fed Cup. She's been partnering Ankita Raina and she's played a very, very instrumental role in handing India wins in this tournament. Interestingly enough, India has qualified for the World Group Playoffs, which is also the first time the Indian contingent has managed to do that. So full credit to Sanya and to Ankita Raina and Rituja Bosle, who have had some very, very satisfying wins along the way. From returning to an old path to carving one of your own, here is another inspirational woman who's conquering new pastures. India recently announced a list of athletes covered by the top scheme, and we realised there was a name missing on that. One of the names have been dropped, and that name is Ritu Fogarts. For the uninitiated, her exclusion comes after her decision to leave wrestling temporarily and switch to mixed martial arts. In the last month, Fogart has won her second bout as part of the One Championship and she nurtures the dream of becoming India's first MMA champion. With two wins in two, I think she's going quite well on that path, don't you think? Coming from one of India's most illustrious wrestling families, the decision to abandon Olympic ambitions would not have been easy. Ritu doesn't really rule out returning to wrestling, but for now, MMA is where her heart is. So you go girl, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Uh, Meanwhile, the Indian boxing contingent is currently going through the paces of the Asia Oceanic Olympic qualifiers and all eyes are on MC Mary Com. After that very public feud with uh, Nikad Zareen over the Olympic trials died down, Mary obviously won that bout against the young boxer. Uh, The attention now is fixed on whether she will make it to Tokyo or not. She's made it to the quarterfinals in the qualifiers and she's just one win away from securing that Tokyo berth. A lot of the boxers, including Mary and even Amit Pangal in um, the men's boxing categories, need to just make it to the semifinals to to book their tickets to Tokyo later this year. So it'll be interesting to see if she manages to make it out. Lovlina Borgoen and Pooja Rani have already booked their Tokyo berths, interestingly. And uh, that just sort of boosts things that we have to look forward to when action moves to Japan later this year, if the coronavirus permits us to. Now, to sort of keep up with all of the people in the qualifiers and who's qualified and who hasn't, please head over to www.sportstar.thehindu.com to keep up with the qualification status of our Tokyo 2020 prospects. Talking about Tokyo um, and talking about the coronavirus, as each day passes, the possibility of this tournament getting postponed or worse cancelled seems to be becoming increasingly real. Thanks to the global coronavirus outbreak, Several big-ticket events, including soccer matches, Olympic qualifying events and World Cups have been cancelled or put on hold to first tackle the spread and then sort of um, focus on the treatment of people who have contracted the virus. Considering 
how much it spread in such a short time and the 2% mortality rate the internet has been filled with information good and bad credible and otherwise so many sports persons have come forward to address key concerns regarding the virus and its impact on regular life as we know it this is very funny because on one end we have people like jurgen klopp who's saying i'm a football manager i wear a baseball cap and i have a bad shave so i'm probably not the guy you should be asking for coronavirus updates or like opinions on the virus and then you have people like sachin and sanya who of course all credit to them who are going out and giving their fans and other people who go and check their profiles out on social media tips to start to stay safe be it um things to boost your general immunity or how to wash your hands in 20 seconds sports stars are also doing their bit in helping quell misinformation and just focusing on the things that need to be done but um interestingly enough another focus especially for the athletes during this time is that several of them still have active qualifying campaigns and the postponements and the cancellations don't really help them in their pursuit to get to tokyo and this is something that saina nawal and her husband parupalli kashyap have sort of you know drawn our attention to the indian badminton star and her husband focus people's attention on this part of the conversation in a thread that they posted on twitter so they have asked for a lot more clarity from the world and the national badminton associations to figure out uh, the conditions to qualify now since so many of these events are being cancelled so they have sought clarity for players who still have um rankings to worry about who still have points to amass to make it to tokyo i'll attach the link in this episode for you all to read it it's pretty interesting because it's something that we're not talking about enough um and rightly so because we're all just worried about how healthy we're going to be going into this year lastly i'm not sure why i left this for the end of this segment but this is a little uh, a disappointing little development from women's sport do you remember larry nasser Uh, the national team doctor who was sentenced to 40 to 175 years to prison after more than 150 women and girls accused him of sexual abuse over the past two decades that us gymnastics doctor turns out while he might be behind bars he is serving time us gymnastics continues its questionable handling of the issue and the survivors with a payment proposal to compensate nasser's victims to break the numbers down 82000 is the proposed payment to individuals with derivative claims around 174000 is for gymnasts who are abused at non usa gymnastic locations approximately about 509000 is reserved for non elite gymnasts who are abused at usa gymnastic sanctioned events and about 1.25 million has been set aside for those abused by the disgraced doctor at the olympics world championships or any national team training camps and national events This is disappointing because it sort of puts a price on um the survivors and their stories. Several survivors, their attorneys involved in the trials have slammed the settlement offer for precisely that, for the fact that US gymnastics has put a price on an athlete's safety and their life. Ali Raisman and Simone Biles were the face of these trials, were the face of this controversy before this man was put behind bars and they have come out to express their disappointment at the development calling it a huge letdown and a cover up so all in all it's been an interesting month of sport for women with developments good and bad making its way into the news do you have an opinion on any of the stories we've discussed here today if you do and would like to contribute towards this podcast you definitely can please make sure to send in your questions comments wishes or even complaints about the stuff that we've discussed here or things we've probably missed out uh to 
notjustamansworldpodcast at gmail.com. Don't worry, I'll make it easy for you by dropping the details in the description. Alternatively, you can also find Sportstar or me, Lavanya, on Twitter and reach out to us to keep the conversation going. Talking about conversation, it's time to bring in our guest for the episode, Aditi Chauhan. The national team goalkeeper and member of the IWL winning Gokulam Kerala FC has had a ringside view to the slow ascent of women's football over the past few years. Slow, but steady. For this segment, I roped in my colleague and women's football cheerleader Mansi Patak to catch up with Aditi about her recent IWL win, her grassroots football initiative for girls, She Kicks, and what the road looks like for women's football this year. Listen in. Hi Aditi, how are you? Hi Monty, I'm good, how are you? I'm doing well as as well. So firstly, talking about your experience winning the IWL this year, how did it go? I mean, the entire season and it ended, it ended on a quite a stupendous note. So how was it? Um, obviously, this year has been special. I was I couldn't uh, play the IWL last year because of injury. Mm-hmm. So I was really glad to have got this opportunity and uh, grateful for uh, grateful to Gokulam for uh, you know getting me in the squad and uh, giving me the opportunity this time. Um, and obviously, it's been a dream return to the IWL for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just played one edition before, and uh, getting the championship uh, in in my second edition has been is really special. And especially with a club like Lokokulam, um, it's it's done really. I mean, um, it's been a really positive season for us with the club. Uh, right from the start, we knew we had a great team, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a lethal striker. But overall, also we had a strong squad. Um, and we knew we right from the start we were aiming to get the championship this year because Gokulam had been putting up uh, the team for the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. This was the third season, and uh, we knew that this is really important. Uh, for, it is really important for us to get a good result this time with this club because um, we need to show some result for towards a club, the first and the only I League or ISL club that is put up our women's team. So. We, it was really important for us to uh, give them results mm-hmm. this time, and I'm glad that we did. Right. Uh, talking more about Gokulam, uh, what do you think of their efforts in putting up the women's team? Because we know that they spent quite some time in gathering the team that eventually won the championship. So, so they have been investing a lot. So, uh, as a professional club, I League club, they had uh, the club system, the professional setup uh, behind them, so that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, also last year. Uh, they put up a one-month camp before the IWL mm-hmm. um, that shows their sincerity and their dedication towards winning the championship. This year, it were, we couldn't have a camp because uh, the senior team had uh, championships uh, till till before the IWL started, and and I think the dates of the IWL were confirmed uh, very late. Mm-hmm. So we could not have a camp, but a preparatory camp before the IWL, but. Um, they still managed to get all the players a few days ahead of the league, and we got a few um, practice sessions and practice matches before the IWL started. So, the, again, I would say uh, full credit to them, and even the professional professionalism showed, shown by them throughout the uh, throughout the tournament was really special. Because um, this was the first time uh, for me with the, with the club, and I was really happy and glad. 
um, the way they took care of us, they, the professional way in which everything was handled, uh, right from training to our recovery to our uh, to food to stay everything, mm-hmm. and uh, so so that really shows their sincerity towards um, you know promoting women's football. Right, and you guys had also traveled to Calicut later during one of their men's matches for like a victory yeah. period of sorts. So how, yeah, how that, did that go? Um, that was amazing, you know. That is something that we as players um, can only dream of. And mm-hmm. I've seen something like this in, uh, in you know, UK and US where you see men's team felicitating and honoring the women's team achievements. Um, but I never expected to see that so soon in India. So I think... Uh, you know, a lot of credit should go to Gokulam for actually uh, organizing the whole thing, you know, try, uh, spending so much money to get us back from our home states mm-hmm. um, to to Kerala in front of the home, uh, you know, organizing the whole thing, promoting it so wide, uh, widely uh, in the home ground in Calicut. Um, and, and, and the whole professional way in which everything was organized for us, uh, it was really special. And I think it's... Uh, I hope to hope that uh, you know next year also we can I can play for the club and and we can get more laurels to the club. But this was really special and something that I will always cherish throughout my life. Aditi, um, Kerala is a state that really likes its football, and the fact that the women have gone and won a championship like this is special for the people in that state, be it audiences mm-hmm. or players. So in the sense of making a grassroots program or something of the sort where you can start recruiting local talent and nurturing local talent, does Gokulam right. have any plans on doing something along those lines? Uh, I did have a discussion with uh, Priya Man about it because um, even I have my own uh, Women's Football Academy that I've started, She Cakes. Mm-hmm. So I had a talk with her about uh, you know doing more at the grassroots level in Kerala, especially considering the kind of uh, passion Keralites have for football there. Mm-hmm. So um, and obviously with with the kind of investment and the kind of results that we've got with the, with the club, uh, it makes even better time to start a grassroots program. So I d- did have a discussion with them. It looked positive. Uh, they are interested in uh, you know starting something at the grassroots level. Um, so the, I think uh, uh, as as part of their Gokulam academies, they are tying up with uh, uh, with with a few schools to start off with mm-hmm. um, because they still uh, from on based on my discussion with Priya Ram, uh, she said that there's still a long way to go in terms of promoting women's football in Kerala. Correct. Right. So uh, a lot of work needs to be done in terms of you know really inspiring these girls and uh, getting the girls to play football so I hope uh, this this little achievement of ours and um, and of course uh, the work from Gokulam can can get some good results and get some good players out of Kerala Right and recently I had seen that one of the kids who was training at your academy was chosen in some was she was awarded in Kika football yeah. tournament so can you tell us more about that? Right Yeah it was really special for me you know um, when I started, obviously the idea was to uh, provide a platform to girls to, you know, play football, learn uh, throughout the year, and have a safe space to uh, to explore their passion and their interest towards football. And uh, and it's been it's been uh, a year since we started, and uh, we have really young girls, really passionate girls. So it was really special for me to see one of our girls uh, play in the league first of all mm-hmm. and then get a player of the week was you know for me as um, someone who started this out of pure passion and love for the game um, 
I, I I did get a little emotional to see um, when I saw the the post about her uh, getting the player of the week thing. So it was really special, you know. I'm really happy, and and that just motivates me even further to get more and more girls out there and give them the best, uh, you know, best training and best uh, experiences on the field, so that we can produce more national team players hopefully in mm-hmm. the future. Right, and uh, I mean you've played in two editions of the IWL, but we've had around four editions so far, and things have changed here and there maybe in terms of the amount mm-hmm. of people who are turning up in the stadiums or the quality of football so what are some uh, developments that you have noticed since the beginning of the tournament um since the first edition i've seen uh, a few developments uh, which is which is good which shows that we're moving in the right direction obviously it's a, it's a slow pro- uh, progress but i think uh, something is better than nothing so it's it's good that uh, we we are uh, moving in the right direction mm-hmm. the number of teams is one of the things that has improved right. uh, since the first edition and it's improving constantly every year um and i'm hoping that uh, in in fact um, aiff I, i was looking at the aiff strategic plan for the next coming 5 years um and they're hoping to have 25 teams in the um, in the final round of iwl by 20 uh, 22 i think mm-hmm. um so so I think we are moving towards that target. Um, hopefully, we will be able to achieve that. Uh, but not just that. I think the level of football has also improved. I think uh, bringing in uh, obviously the national team players playing in this, the kind of experiences that we are getting with the national team uh, in terms of the international exposures, international tournaments, and friendlies that we've been playing, that has certainly helped us improve our standard of game. and that uh, helps when you're playing in the league with the with youngsters um, that is a good platform for the girls for the young girls to see what the level is like mm-hmm. uh, how much harder they need to work to match that level to be a, to you know to even have a chance to uh, be considered to be a part of the uh, senior team right so that it's a good uh, learning experience for them um and apart from that it's 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 also good to have some um you know fine uh, uh, international players coming from other countries also like we saw um Sabita Bhandari doing exceptionally well this season for mm-hmm. us uh, at Gokulam uh, she was lethal and hopefully uh, you know we we in India we are missing a striker like her i feel and it's uh, good for the young girls to to look at her to learn from her and uh, be inspired from her i think she's really young right now uh but she's done so well for the club and for Nepal she does really well right. so hopefully uh, she has, she has inspired more strikers here in India and uh we can we can get someone like her from India soon right and we got off to a good start to this year with the IWL and later in the year we are going to have the under 17 women's world cup so right. what do you think about that i mean india will be put up against countries which will challenge them so it will help them in terms of testing their own talent and their competitiveness so yeah right. yeah so i think it's a under 17 world cup is 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 really crucial for us especially now because uh, over the past two years so with the senior team we've been doing well we've been getting good consistent results and now it's it's time for the under 17 girls to to shine especially at the home ground so it's going to be obviously playing at home ground is never uh, is never easy especially at a young age where uh, you there will be a lot of pressure there will be a lot of expectations absolutely um, but i think that's a great platform for them to learn from and i'm sure that this will be a great experience 
uh, in for them to uh, to build on in the coming years and uh, i'm sure this will help in the future as well uh, but i think um, with the kind of results that uh, that we've seen of the under 17 team i think it's shaping up well um the whole team the whole nation including me expect a good performance um in the under 17 uh, world cup in india hosting hosting and uh, i'm sure they're going to give their heart and soul to it and uh, do well but more importantly i think it's the most important thing out of this under 17 world cup should be the legacy plan uh it's good mm-hmm. that we are hosting the world cup and it will be a great experience for the girls but it's really important to follow up on the uh on the build up that we're creating for this under 17 world cup to have a legacy plan to use the kind of um you know attention the media coverage uh, that we are getting for the under 17 to build on and uh, and keep moving ahead and keep pushing ourselves right right forward. and uh, talking more about the senior women's team what are your plans for this year which are the have you been informed about which matches that you would be playing in terms of friendlies or the competitive um, we've not been confirmed anything but uh, uh the the i mean the conversation that i had with uh, with our head coach memol ma'am she did mention that we might have a few tournaments few international tournaments and the friendlies uh, later this year but nothing has been confirmed as of now uh at least with us as players we've not been told anything uh, any, uh, any confirmation has not been given to us okay. so i'm still unsure uh, but you know so we still have the under 17 world cup uh, to look forward to i think and and we as national players we can just uh, you know keep uh, keep working hard keep uh, you know doing our uh, a bit for to to keep fit and be ready if uh, if any tournament does come up right so you've been around in the mainstream for quite a while so do you think yeah. women's football has sort of arrived in india with all of the stuff happening now or do you think we still have some work to do to get to a place where we can say okay this is a country that likes watching its women play um i think we're getting there we still have a long way to go i'm not going to uh, sure record that but um I think we're moving in the right direction. Nothing happens overnight. It's a slow process, especially uh, India, which is just coming out of the shadow of cricket and uh, slowly, you know, promoting and realizing the importance of other sports. And um, I, I, given the scenario of India, I think uh, football is doing really well. And um, it, but ultimately, it's really important to. to keep getting good results keep performing good um, at the international level that is what going to keep the interest of the media yeah, that's what is going to keep the interest of the fans the supporters that's the most important thing i think that's what i've realized over these years is um you you can only expect um, you know uh, support and and fan base once you start getting results so um that's that's what has been happening in the past uh, couple of years because we've been given uh, a lot of exposure we've got the opportunity to grow and to improve as a team mm-hmm. which is the reason why we've been getting the results and i'm sure the um, the aifs and the government also realizes that and that is the reason why a few international tournaments and friendlies have been planned for this year too um and uh, especially in the preparation for the afc qualifiers that india um will be hosting in 2023 i think mm-hmm. um so that is that is the target uh that is the short term or medium term target i can say um 
and uh, but i think we still have a long way to go we still have a lot to prove because i know there's a lot of potential um but but overall i just see that we're moving in the right direction um and we will get there sooner rather than later fair enough so you've mentioned the media and about how it is important for different stakeholders like say spectators and journalists and people of the sort to just stay with yeah. the sport so as somebody who plays and who understands the systems that go behind it how do you think the media can better help a sport like football especially women in football how do you think we can play ally to women sort of growing in the international stage um it's really important to show the stories that like people get inspired seeing the real stories especially in india where girls uh, still struggle to um, play sports professionally and uh, i think it's really important for the media to highlight that mm-hmm. for for uh, for parents to especially um, read about them to be uh, to be aware about such experiences it's um, everyone has their own struggles it's uh, whether you come from a good background whether you come from a poor background it's it's, it's about your passion it's your journey um so it's i think uh, awareness among the parents is still missing um and this i can say that from experience with the kind of conversations that i've had because of she kicks we mm-hmm. we do interact with a lot of parents um we the parents are still unsure of the the career ahead um the, the even the people the the players uh, the youngsters are still unaware about the um career options within the sports industry uh, apart from being professional athletes mm-hmm. uh, where they can still be uh you know be involved with the sport that they're passionate about but that they love uh, even if they're not able to make it professionally so okay. and it's really important for them to stay in that that uh, i think they are the ones who can really contribute and make a difference in the sport so those are the kind of things that are still missing um that's the reason why uh i as part of shikits also we try to conduct a lot of workshops around this because has because of uh this is what i've experienced over the years and this was missing when i was younger uh even i and my parents were unaware about these things and it's only through uh because because i got to travel uh, uh, for football tournaments and i got to see and experience different things that i came to realize about the different fields within the sports industry that i can be that i can do after i retire or while i'm still playing so um i think uh, everybody every uh, every person every athlete who gets that opportunity should spread that knowledge and experience in whatever capacity they can right correct right. so that was all from our and aditi thank you so much for joining us awesome no problem aditi also happy women's day i don't think we'll be able to wish you <laughs> on sunday yeah happy women's day to you too yeah. <laughs> all right thank, thank you, you so much for joining us And with that, we come to the end of the very first episode of Not Just a Man's World. Let's hope the year gets a little more positive, that we get more stories of women's sport growing rather than the other way around. And it's always going to be fun for us to put out content like this for you. Please make sure you log on to our website to keep up with stories as they happen. And if there is something you've missed or if you want to just quickly come to a place where you can catch up with what women have been up to in sport, you're going to find us putting out episodes in the first week of every month so you can keep up with all of the inspirational women that are out there in sport today. Thank you so much. If you have 
sort of made it till this point in the episode thank you for joining me it means a lot to us for you guys to listen to this episode and uh, rest assured we will be back next month with more developments another interesting guest and much more uh, for that you will have to subscribe to the podcast though so you do not miss a single episode we are available on spotify anchor and we will very soon be available on google podcasts and apple podcasts as well so wherever it is that you're getting your podcasts on do make sure you search for not just a man's world and click that subscribe button so you do not miss a single episode thank you so much for joining me i'm i'm saying thank you quite a bit but yes thank you so much for joining me and until next time it is goodbye from me lavanya and all of us here at sports star bye bye 